Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to another edition of PTSM Network Classics. Uh, as you know, uh, every week we find a gem in the uh, archives of the WWE Network, and uh, we do a little watch-along with it. And we've had a lot of fun with this, especially this, the, the, the one of the shows we're doing this week is, uh, you know, doing the series here. Now, we've uh, done a lot of Saturday Night Main Events, uh, we've done... Um, you know, some of the other shows that we've, uh, superstars we've gotten to do. But my favorite, really, I have to be honest here, is that the Tuesday Night Titan shows are just a blast. Because, as you've heard me say before, they're so bad, they're good. And the idea of this program, if you'll recall, was to have, uh, you know, kind of a playoff, uh, you know, like a, a Johnny Carson show. But if you also remember Fernwood Tonight, uh, remember they had uh, uh, Martin Mould did this show and uh, it was you know it's just like this bad local talk show that um, they had on, and they'd have performers. And so it was kind of somewhere in between all that. And of course, Vince McMahon plays uh, you know the host and his uh, his the Johnny Carson I guess character. And then you had uh, Lord Alfred Hayes is kind of his, his sidekick of you know, like Ed McMahon. So uh, and then they would bring it was a great uh, platform to be able to bring. The wrestlers on, and they could, uh, you know, it was, they were in character, and they would uh, sell whatever they were storylines they were working on. Well, this episode we're going to do of Tuesday Night Titans is from February fifteenth, nineteen eighty five. Okay, so this is when the world is just changing uh, every single day with the World Wrestling Federation. It is uh, becoming uh, mainstream entertainment, and a lot of that had to do with the union of uh, the WWF hooking up with MTV. Uh, two uh, of the uh, you know, big stars that uh, helped shape all that. And uh, you know, part of it was, of course, Cindy Lauper, who was just on fire with Girls Want to Have Fun and had become uh, kind of the, uh, the, the first Madonna as far as uh, you know, having uh, the popularity that she had. Well, I mentioned stars. Uh, he became one just because of his association with her was David Wolf, and they were, uh, you know, a real-life couple. Uh, you know, I don't know if they were engaged, but, you know, they were an item. And uh, he was her manager and was guiding her career at the time uh, and also happened to be a huge uh, wrestling fan. He was a huge wrestling fan, and he saw the opportunity here, as, you know, others did. But uh, hooking up with MTV, which was also very popular at the time and, you know, had this young audience and it was just kind of a natural and just took off. And so this program uh, features uh, David Wolf. He's going to be on the, on the show because they'd had some angles going on where um, he had been attacked by Roddy Piper. And they were just heating things up as we started to uh, set the stage here for WrestleMania, which would take place at the end of March that year. So we're in February at this point, And it is just... It's rocket, not just rocket at WrestleMania, but the whole everything is just that's going on is just it's on fire, and it's uh, it's just caught you know it's caught everywhere around the world is paying attention, and this is a fantastic episode. Now I want to give credit uh, first of all to F4WOnline.com, uh, the Wrestling Observer, uh, for their notes on this program, but it it made me um, you know kind of go back and do some research of my own just because uh, I remember what was going on at the time. And uh, I mentioned this MTV connection. Well, um, if you if you remember that um, in November 
1985, which is down the road here, um, they would release the wrestling album. Remember that? Well, it would uh, change everything as well. I mean, it just helped build, you know, we'd had WrestleMania and uh, you had all these stars emerging and people were just hungry. And, uh, you know, that what you would naturally do is, of course, why not? You'd release a record with <laughs> all these superstars singing. And uh, it, it was, you know, it, it didn't... Uh, it, you know, really rock the charts, uh, but it did pretty well. I think it, it made it to, I think, 84 uh, in the billboards. But, um, you know, I th- they would track usually like 200. So that wasn't bad. But as far as uh, the wrestling world, you knew everybody wanted to get a hold of this album. So as far as for the world of professional wrestling, this was brilliance. Brilliance, because, uh, you know, it wasn't just wrestling uh, fans buying it. There was the mainstream people picking up because it was kind of this novelty item. And uh, it's just a riot when you look at the track listing. If you remember, uh, Land of a Thousand Dances. Um, of course, you had uh, Junkyard Dog with Vicky Sue Robinson and Grab Them Cakes, which would, uh, which was also written by uh, David Wolf. And uh, you know he collaborated on this album, as uh, as well as Jimmy Hart. Jimmy Hart had a big role, and uh, if you know his background, it was you know very very rich in music. Uh, he was part of the band uh, The Gentries, which actually had a, a, a number one hit that, uh, you know, what that's how many people in the world can say that? And legit, legit, they went on tour and everything. I mean, they were very popular. And Jimmy Hart had this uh, very rich music background uh, in songwriting and performing. And so he was a, a big part of this. And also on this album, remember, uh, if you know the name Rick Derringer, most well known for writing... Uh, Hulk Hogan's what would become his theme song. And really, uh, you know, you hear that music, who else do you think of? But um, Derringer talks about this song that, you know, that he wrote. And to him, it was one of the most patriotic songs ever. Uh, He collaborated with another guy and they legitimately legitimately thought it was, you know, would be an anthem to help, uh, you know, that would uh, inspire patriotism across the country. And um, it ended up being a gigantic hit through Hulk Hogan. So there was kind of kind of bittersweet because as far as the song being popular, uh, it certainly was that. But I think that um, Derringer had more, you know, serious, uh, you know, uh, things that he wanted to happen with that song. He was he wanted it to be like a real legit uh, anthem that uh, people would hear and, and, you know, it would stir their patriotic uh, uh, feelings. But it was uh, it was a legit hit and uh, certainly helped out Hulk Hogan. Um, Jimmy Hart is on this album, as I mentioned. He uh, he has, uh, if you remember the song "Eat Your Heart Out," Rick Springfield was kind of, it was a spoof. Uh, Captain Lou Albano and George the Animal Steel. <laughs> it's just <laughs> oh, history of music. Captain Lou, uh, you know. Oh my God! And uh, the the. Uh, WWF All-Stars, and on the album that was considered Hulk Hogan's theme, uh, Roddy Roddy Piper was on this uh, for everybody, and Mean Gene Okerlund, who also, if you know your history about Gene, Gene was, uh, you know, had, had uh, done some professional recording before that and could and sing and had an album out and uh, could play the piano. And uh, Tutti Frutti, if you remember that, that was a big song, and he would sing that uh, now and then throughout his career when asked. Uh, 
uh, Hillbilly Jim, Don't Go Messing with a Country Boy, and uh, of course, everyone's favorite, who could forget, Nikolai Volkov singing Katamiya. And it <laughs> just, I actually looked that up on YouTube of him singing, and oh God, it is just so funny. But, you know, it, it wasn't... Uh, it wasn't supposed to be, you know, legit music, uh, you know, uh, for consideration in, uh, you know, the uh, the music awards. But uh, as far as what it accomplished in, uh, in the world of professional wrestling and for uh, specifically the World Wrestling Federation, it was fantastic. So uh, I, I just wanted to bring that up because just looking back and I just remember, and maybe you, maybe somebody out there, you still have the... Uh, one of the albums, which is definitely a collector's item. But uh, I wanted to bring it up because it was all of this connection now with the World Wrestling Federation and the world of music. And Cindy Lauper and David Wolf were a big part of it. Uh, on this show, Wolf is uh, a guest, and uh, they show uh, what the incident that happened at Madison Square Garden when they uh, bring on Lou Albano and Cindy Lauper, and they get a award from Dick Clark at Madison Square Garden for their work with multiple sclerosis, which is kind of funny because uh, Albano, you know, was always this super, you know, shit heel. I mean, he was just this nasty heel uh, manager, and then suddenly now he's this babyface accepting awards for helping uh, multiple sclerosis. So we, (laughs) you know, kind of step over the line here and made a quick transition for him, but uh, it was a a great move for uh, the captain, Captain Lou Albano. Uh, he gets his big ovation at uh, Madison Square Garden, and of course, Rowdy Roddy Piper has to come out and ruin it all. And uh, they they, they uh, come out, and they he he has uh, Albano has this uh, gold record, uh, so which uh, you know that, that's all framed, and and Roddy uh, whacks him over the head with it, says he wants to present the award to him, and certainly does. And uh, the Hulkster is around in that, so that's we'll, we'll get to see a lot of that. Uh, also, Roddy Roddy Piper. Uh, is on the show and um, as Bob Orton uh, as they come on the set and uh, you know this is where Roddy uh, introduces him basically as his bodyguard and as if you remember after that you know Orton would always be standing there next to him uh, supposedly uh, watching Roddy's back because you never knew who would want to take advantage of a a situation like that. Uh, Jimmy Snuka is uh, also on the program uh, Lou Albano comes on and does his bit, uh, you know, spouting of the uh, tries not to get excited, but you know, you know, that's that's not going to happen. And also, as I mentioned, Snuka, who had uh, taken a leave of absence for a while, I think uh, we kind of know what was happening there. But it's great to see him uh, back back in action with the uh, with the WWF. So uh, we start this all out. Uh, and with Vince making one of his uh, many uh, fashion statements, he is in a bright orange suit, three-piece suit, and it's not even Halloween. It's not October. It is February. But, um, you know, this would uh, was just part of his, his, his shtick, as we uh, say, and uh, I've talked about it before with Vince and his three-piece suits. Uh, he had every color of the rainbow, uh, and he uh, uh, wore those for a very long time, uh, before he would take a respite there, and that's when he got into the whole Zubaz, uh, that whole look that they sold, <laughs> which was, you know, like, talk about this transition that he went from, you know, these three-piece suits with the uh, the pocket kerchief and all the uh, the look, and then he, he took the time out there to sell some uh, 
leisure wear, I guess. But uh, I always love him. When I think of uh, Vince McMahon, I think of those those three piece suits uh, that he would wear. So this is a really this is a fun episode of uh, TNT. Uh, always a blast. You never know uh, what was going to happen. They, uh, I'm sure, did not write a script. They just basically said, all right, then you come out, and then you come out, and then you come out and do your business here. But uh, uh, it, it's, uh, it's, it's a great one. So um, love to get to this one. Let's, uh, let's take a gander, and uh, you know how this works. What I need you to do is go to the WWE Network. Uh, you go to Ring. Uh, then you go down to uh, Classics. You'll see the, uh, you know, down a few. Uh, programs and then uh, TNT and then you click on that and then it's down at the bottom and and uh, what's kind of annoying here with these icons is that they don't put dates on them but uh, you can see uh, in this icon that uh, Vince has the uh, the orange suit and, the, and then you know you're at the, you're in the right place okay so if you haven't uh, queued it up yet I'm going to give you a chance here uh, to do that just uh, queue it up on WWE Network and we will be right back. Okay, so uh, whatever length of time you did for the pause there, that's no problem. We're back, and I uh, believe uh, that you are ready for us to uh, launch into this episode of uh, uh, Tuesday Night Titans from February 15th, 1985. Ready? Three, two, one, play. Da, 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 if we've mentioned before, this isn't the re, uh, the original music uh, that uh, you know some other people have pointed out to me, and so they uh, had to dub this stuff over. And uh, so when Alfred comes in, you know they have this uh, fantastic animation here. But when Alfred comes in, uh, you know <clears throat> you can barely hear him. They had to uh, see so you can, but uh, Alfred comes on, you know and. The Wrestling Federation, uh, it's great show, and I and he, you know, he comes in with the five hundred one Levi's, which I, I, it's great to see these old ads in here, Alfred. The following program is, you know, so uh, we've got a, a new open here that uh, they they mention, you know, they kind of change the shots out. You see Lou Albano there, and uh, Alfred talking about Piper is going to be on the program, but they actually change out some shots, and whoa, there he is. Woo! Should have had a warning for that suit to uh, dim, <laughs> dim your television. What a look! And uh, Vince talking about how uh, David Wolf is going to join them, as if we didn't know who that was. Uh, now you know it's Vince McMahon. And this is—I love this look. These these suits that he had, but uh, you know. He fancied himself kind of like a Barnum and uh, wanted to make sure whenever uh, he was out in public, you knew who he was. As he would drive around Stanford, he also had this Clinet, which is, is uh, like a, a kit car, but uh, I'm, I'm, I, I kid you on that one because it was a very expensive car, but uh, very gaudy. And you, I mean, you saw him and he would drive around Stanford. So we go to Madison Square Garden. Look, there's Dick Clark. And that's one thing that was great, what they would do then. I mean, you talk about legitimizing what they were doing. You get people like Dick Clark, uh, who was an icon in the world of music with all the programs he used to have, uh, you know, bringing the stars of the day on. 
And he comes on there at Madison Square Garden to present this award to Cindy Lauper. And it's not just for music. He's talking about for this, this uh, award that they're giving Cindy Lauper for her contribution. You see Jack Tunney back then. So uh, an award for her contribution to women's wrestling. And I have no idea who's doing the voiceover there. Maybe you do. If you do, let me know because I, I couldn't recognize it. Maybe it was just somebody who was working for him at the time. So you got Lou Albano out there and he's holding this framed gold record. Not quite sure because, like I said, the, the album hadn't come out. And uh, I guess they just needed something for him to smash over his head. So Piper, I don't know why they use that microphone. That's like the boxing microphone that they use, you know. Roddy, super heel, bam, and <laughs> down goes Lou. And then look at this, watch, Cindy Lopper grabs his leg and he just kicks her off and she does a good job selling. And David Wolf uh, doesn't help Roddy here, but gets the, the big uh, power slam and apparently would uh, damage his back, as he would claim. But uh, Piper, you know, and uh, admitted admitted later on that he wasn't he wasn't crazy about this the stuff that was going on with the World Wrestling Federation at the time with the you know the MTV rocking and wrestling and uh, and you know people like Mr. T coming on board. But I think that uh, looking back, I think he realized just how much it helped the business and certainly helped him because he became a superstar. As we take a time out there. And we're back with Vince in the orange suit. Lots of colors going on there. We got the uh, mug, the blue mug. So, and uh, Vince introduces Roddy Piper. Oh, well-dressed with the kilt. And comes Roddy. Now, uh, you know, and they had like kind of this heat going with uh, Alfred and Roddy. He would uh, kind of abuse Alfred whenever he was around him. As he makes fun of his suit. Oh, and, you know, and that's another thing that Vince had. He had the kind of the two-tone going. He would later, later change that. And we see uh, Bob Orton as the bodyguard. Yeah. And... Roddy says, you know, a man of my stature. So now he's going to have a, a bodyguard. He needs a bodyguard to protect someone like him. Now, I don't know what happened with the shirt between the time he got out to the... <laughs> oh, you see, he's keeping the heat up with Alfred, but the shirt keeps getting more and more open. Yep, Orton says, yeah, he put his life on the line for Roddy Piper. Little cowboy back there. I still think Alfred's only got a couple of years left because he's ghostly. All right. Well, there you go. He's his bodyguard. It's official. And Roddy would just go, man. They didn't know where he was going, and he would just go. As Vince 
tries to get, uh, you know, Vince tries to get a conversation going, but Roddy's having none of, the, uh, of it and tells him he, that his voice is high pitched. <laughs> the melee, the melee. So we're, we had, uh, he's asking for Roddy's reaction here. And, uh, we're all curious. It's providing a service. Now, this was at a time, folks, when you could uh, really play up the sexes and, uh, and it was how you generated heat. Let's talk about what it means to be a man and uh, making fun of Cindy Lauper because of all the different uh, well, statements she made with her earrings and shaving the side of her head and dyeing her hair. And so it was Lopper's fault because she basically assaulted him. He just was defending himself, of course, right? <laughs> Albano. Vince's look is classic. Big, fat. Oh, boy. Yeah, but, you know, he was doing a nice thing for multiple sclerosis, as he says. MTV music to vomit by. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, talking about Dick Clark. See, you know, but he knew how to put everybody over. Remember, he didn't miss anybody in that ring. That all works. Uh-oh, now Vince says we're going to take another look back at some of his antics. Now, see, and of course, Mean Gene. Let's see, he sets up this match. A Hulkster at his best. This is 85, remember, folks. It's some great stuff, man. I mean, really. And there was nobody better at putting others over than the Hulkster. It was like the touch of gold in the World Wrestling Federation. If you, if you were cool with the Hulkster, you were, you were, uh, you were good. Yeah, well, and we don't want Dick Clark scared and never to be the same. <laughs> well, he's got to take care of his friends. The Hulkster's got to get even. A special challenge here. The Marshall Dillon. Wow. I can't blame you at all, Gene, boy. Right back. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. Love it. Yeah, he liked that line too. Marshall Dillon. (laughs) 
Chester. Oh, we got to pay the piper. Like Vince just trying to keep this rodeo going, but uh, you got to get in all these bits. So we're going to take back and more Gene. Oh, we're going to talk about uh, a look back here. And Gene at his best telling you, you must be ashamed of what you've done. Unbelievable. And you know what? Roddy was the talk of the wrestling world. There was uh, nobody hotter as far as a heel went than Roddy at this time. And it would, uh, you know, it would serve him well for a long time. But this where this is where it was all going, man. This is when it was all starting to take off. Remember, a few months away, we're uh, months away from WrestleMania, but they already know what they're doing here. They're starting to lay the groundwork. Gene's, Gene's outraged. How could you go there? Oh, boy. Yeah, well, what's a piece of him? Well, Hulkster. This is, uh, you know, the top of the WWF right now, and this is uh, certainly helping Roddy out. Bingo. He's going to get, you know, a shot at the, uh, the WWF championship. Gene uh, say, well, 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 wait a minute. We're not, we're just talking about having a match. You're, oh boy. So as it, you know, that at this point, Roddy is uh, goading uh, Hulk Hogan into uh, putting the title on the line. Right. Roddy's uh, a smart man back then. That uh, you want it, you want to have a match up here, then put some gold on the line here. And, you know, and, and this was uh, you look at some of the other uh, episodes of TNT. They would uh, they would have these long segments where they didn't show uh, footage. So maybe I think this was an effort really to you know make it move, uh, bring in new elements. Uh, help carry these uh, storylines going, and what better way than to go back and put in these ins- you know inserted bits and uh, most of them interviews, but then they also showed uh, some highlights, some matches. As we keep it going, now is he going to accept this challenge? Yeah, just had to go and ruin it, didn't you? And that's what, you know, what uh, Hulk was just so good at is, uh, and I remember him uh, kind of philosophizing uh, about doing interviews. And and it was something that, you know, the effect that you don't, you don't 
particularly talk about wrestling specifically, you know, uh, exactly what, you know, what's going on for a match, whatever, he would relate it to other things going on in his life. You know, the whole thing, riding the, the chopper down the Pacific Coast Highway, dipping his toe in the ocean, you know, and he was, uh, he was a master at that. And then bringing it back in to whatever the, the storyline was. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so it looks like it's going to happen. And no bigger place to do it than Madison Square Garden. It was the Mecca. And they just, uh, you know, were just rocking when it came to the crowds that would show up for these events. I mean, it was, it really was, it really just blew everybody away. They weren't uh, used to seeing these, these kinds of crowds at these events. His retort, well. That's an interesting word. Gene getting a lot of play in this TNT. And Bob Orton. Uh, This was, uh, you know, way before the event center came along. And Gene was carrying the torch for all of this, man. And he was doing interviews. My God, I would... Uh, he would go to these uh, these shows and just do one interview after another. I mean, hundreds... uh, over a span of a, of a few weeks, uh, he was it. And that's where you saw him in everything. Saturday night main events, he was there. He'd have, he, he was getting, he got more airtime, I think, than any superstars. And you didn't really see Orton talk a lot uh, back then. And so it's kind of fun to watch him actually cut a promo because he wasn't bad. But you saw him a lot of the time with Roddy. He didn't say anything. He would just stand there or a couple of words. That was it. Yeah, see? Just watch Gene's face. He just got the reactions that he would just... <laughs> just subtle. It was just so subtle the way he did it. I just, I just used to love to, I would just watch him. I'd see him do interviews. I wouldn't even pay any attention to the guy who was uh, the superstar. I watched Gene because just the subtle things that he did. Yeah. See? And then we're, we're pushing the events. Yeah, Madison Square Garden. Oh my, do you think it would happen? Ace. <laughs> and coming up, Roddy in ring action. Okay, there you go. Yeah, the house band. They didn't really show them off. Where are they? See, uh, I don't think this was part of the script, you think? Talking about Vince having hair on his chest. If he did, he shaved it. Got to show off those pecs. 
Oh, boy. Oh, my. Vince takes a shot. See, now is uh, Roddy's got to, you know, get the upper hand here. He's got to put Vince back in his place. Something stinks that uh, Roddy has detected, so he sends uh, Bob Orton to uh, find out what it could be. And I think we get an answer. Just walk right in front of the camera, no problem. So, yeah, we take a little break here. Let's take use this opportunity of. Uh... All right, Jimmy Snuka in the ring. And uh, both Orton and Piper come in to jump him. And the, uh, this brawl going on. Uh, and you can hear Gene doing uh, commentary here. Which I always loved to hear. There was a, you didn't hear it very often, but it was uh, it was great when you did. And Gene and I, you know, we talked a few times about it. That you know, the I, I don't know why he wasn't used more often. I think that Vince valued his oh snook off the top rope there, going for a cover. But of course, Piper comes in that um, Vince didn't like him doing play by play. You know. Uh, but I thought he was, the matches I've heard, I thought he did a great job. But uh, what do I know? Uh, and, of course, he was certainly much better uh, as a stick man doing the interviews. I mean, nobody's ever come close to matching what he could do. Snuka goes out hard onto that cement floor. And that's before they put the blue mats out there, folks. So that was, uh, that was cold, hard cement. As they continue to uh, deliver this beating in the ring. And you've got Gorilla Monsoon and... Oh, boy. And uh, and uh, Gene. As this uh, brawl just breaks loose and eventually... These guys, it was a great look at the, like butted heads there. But uh, Tonga and Jimmy Snuka, man. And uh, boy, talk about two tough individuals, man. As this brawl continues between these guys. Just, man, you're talking about physical specimens. Look at Snuka. My goodness. Like a bell's going to do anything here. Oh, man. Snooka ducks out, and it's Orton who takes that big right from Piper. Double head knocker. And it's Tonga and Snooka who end up in control. And it goes on, and there goes Howard. Howard takes a bump. You see that? 
<laughs> I think he oversold that one a bit. But, you know, hey, he loved it when he got the chance. Oh, boy, that had to hurt. You think? Tonga gets a chair and uh, that that's it. Piper and Orton say we're out of here. Yes, <laughs> crotched him. Did you say that? And Howard calling for the microphone as they bring it down. The referee disqualified both teams with a double DQ. <laughs> a good idea. So we had all this going on with, uh, you know, he, uh, Roddy just stirring up the heat everywhere he went. And Orton went to look to find out what stinks in the building. Oh, now we find out. And who else? Oh, and Albano and Snooker in the building. So there you go. They've, they've solved the, uh, they solved the mystery. That that's what was uh, stinking up the place. Oh, and David Wolf is there. Oh, boy. Roddy not happy that they've uh, brought these guys out. Think he's looking for a confrontation. Yeah, Roddy's uh, outraged. He knew they were were just trying to set him up. Well, he's not going to let him do it. So, coming up, the captain. Lou Albano, one colorful individual, right? <laughs> yeah, we come that entrance music. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So this was, didn't you think this was a good episode, though? I mean, I really, I think it was. I mean, uh, really enjoyed. Uh, they kept, you know, they got better at this. You know what I mean? They, you know, the first ones were just kind of hard to even watch, but now they kind of moving along here, and then they've got, uh, you know, they're starting to insert a lot of video, making it interesting, and Albano comes out with the uh, in all his glory. Not the greatest, uh, not not what you'd call a fashionista, and uh, but I'm I'm you know, left the fact that he uh, was comfortable in his own skin. Well, let's see. Now, he's going to try and stay calm. Roddy Roddy Piper was here. Oh, he's, he's, got to, he's just trying to make sure that his record is, is well covered. You know, uh, he, he talks about he's going to manage um, Wyndham, Barry Wyndham, and, and Mike Rotunda in, the, in, uh, in, that, in that tag team. I think it was a U.S. Express, or but um, an interesting note is that Real American they had considered using it for that tag team, if I'm uh, correct. So uh, it's amazing that uh, that probably would have come and disappeared, but uh, it hooked up with, uh, paired it up with the Hulk Hogan, and uh, we still know the words today. 
and Albano talking about that incident where he was attacked and that uh, award smashed over his head, that gold record. And Cindy Lauper. Because girls just want to have fun. So does uh, Lou Albano. He's very upset. And you know that... Um, <laughs> Wolf, if you remember, didn't really know how to take a bump. Didn't know how to, you know, kind of lighten the load a little bit for the guy who's going to slam you. But, you know. Oh, so we're going to get to see this again. A little different angle. Yeah, Roddy's talking about, you know, it's me. I'm the one who started all this. And there it goes. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, uh, and, and Madison Square Garden, I mean, uh, everybody knew where that was. Uh, no matter where you were seeing this in the country, you knew it was going to be a big deal. Vengeance, the Hulkster, was uh, going to get it all evened up. And Albano, boy, he could just go forever. You didn't really get a second question in with him. Just kept he would just keep going, and then you'd see you got yeah we got to wrap this up. He might repeat himself a few times, but he kept going. He wasn't going to get excited. Remember, boy. You know, it's, I wonder if they were to put it a blood pressure. Uh, device on him when he would get this way because it had he had to really <laughs> it's just yeah he's still talking and he's still talking and he's still talking and coming up superfly jimmy snooker boy yep he's still got the orange suit on yep yep and uh here uh uh, uh Vince is doing a supercell. Now, for supercell, for super snooker here, uh, superfly, because um, he was a, an incredibly uh, amazing physical specimen. There's no question about it, man. He was, at the time, just natural, man. I don't think he really had to do a whole lot with the weights. Oh, man. Vince putting him over. An honor to have someone of your caliber. Wow. You know, and it, it's, a, it's a shame that uh, Superfly had so many demons and who knows all of the, what happened during his career. Or, uh, certainly all those uh, stories uh, about the, uh, the woman that uh, lost her life. And, but man, when that guy was in the ring, you, I just remember that, uh, when the crowds just pop for the guys. I mean, because he did these amazing, he was a you know, high flyer before we saw anything that we saw today, you know, that we see here. He was doing back then uh, these incredible, you know, leaps off of the top rope. Nobody could do it like he he could. And uh, I think we're going to see a match up here where he's uh, just uh, going up against a, a jobber here. That's 
wearing the same outfit, uh, kind of. He liked that print. Worked well for him. And you know this is not going to be a very long match, right? You got that uh, here. But uh, I'm surprised that they're giving us this much of the intro, maybe longer than the matches. <laughs> but Bobby Bass. Wow. Wow. Jack Reynolds and Angelo Mosca. Well, that's an interesting uh, tag team for commentary. And Bass knows that he's going to have to get after Snuka early if he's got going to stand a chance here and uh, use whatever means necessary, like attacking him uh, when he's not looking. And a big backdrop there. And, of course, Snuka. You know, look how strong he is, though. And uh, that guy, you know, probably went for upwards of 250, maybe close to three. Snooker, man, tossing him around pretty good. Angela Muska, wow. Imagine the, the uh, abuse that uh, Snooker's body took from those bumps that he used to take. I mean, he literally could sail across to the other side of the ring. I mean, he just would fly, huh? Yeah, super fly. It's because just amazing. And this is uh, something that, you know, this guy's going to milk this for as long as possible uh, before he has to go in there because uh, I always I always wondered about that timing too that he had to have because when he had to land on the, when he would uh, fly off the top rope, uh, if if he missed a little bit, considering the velocity the weight behind him when he took off there. If he just didn't, if he didn't hit you right, man, you were in a world of hurt. It was a bass hoping for a handshake, not going to get one. Colin elbow goes to the uh, side headlock there. Oh man. Tackle over the top. And kind of a combination, uh, Forearm headbutt. Let's bass down pretty easy there. Puts him in position. And get your arms down along the side. Put your arms along the side. You don't want to get a knee on there. And the big slam. Nobody's getting up from that. Barely has to hold down the shoulders and it's over for Bass. But everybody got to see a little bit of a display by Snooker here, short one. Look at this, look at the fashion then, folks. I always like looking at these old tapes, see the haircuts and what people were wearing. The superfly. Not superfly, the superfly. But you know, watch this. This is this is kind of this is awesome. I wish we had a little bit of a different angle. But you got he's got to get in the right position, man, and get your arms flat. You got to get your arms flat there, otherwise, not anywhere out from your body. But look at the velocity there. I mean, he really, man, wow. And they say you know Vince really did. Uh, you know, admire Jimmy Snuka just for what the guy could do. I mean, he just, his 
Uh, Vince always loved guys with that physical prowess, you know, that uh, and, the, and the physique, but also what the guy could do in the ring. And really, he was just enamored by him. Uh, no question about it. But, uh, you know, he, he didn't uh, do so great in front of a microphone. But, uh, but uh, everything else, man. Yeah, there you go. Let's uh, let's his uh, what he does in the ring do his talking because, no. That's it. Very quiet. Very soft spoken. Yeah, that's all you're getting out of him, Vince. All right, now we're going to get to uh, some rock and wrestling. As David Wolf speaks. And nobody ever spelled this guy's name right. Even on the, uh, the intro here, they spell it with W-O-L-F, like wolf, like the animal. But it was W-O-L-F-F, but I've also said W-O-L-F-F-E. Oh, yeah. Alfred cracking him up. Didn't Alfred not getting much, uh, much to say in this, just got to laugh. That's why, you know, with Alfred, Alfred, you know, played a big part of all this. I mean, really, and uh, you've heard me talk about it before. It's just a shame that he was kind of, uh, you know, put into the Hall of Fame as a legend instead of being uh, having a real induction. Oh, nice, nice sunglasses. And David Wolf, the uh, record producer, manager, um, Big name in the uh, the music business and uh, was managing Cindy Lauper at the time and got her involved in this whole thing. Yeah, and and Vince is uh, doing a shoot here. I mean, he was uh, helped really get it going. Yeah, and he was uh, he was a legit uh, wrestling fan, and so that's what uh, he saw how it was taking off and uh, helped make that form that union with MTV. Oh, well, he's saying that, that, uh, you know, the rock and roll industry was uh, very supportive and maybe there would be a few at Madison Square Garden. So why not see it again? Yeah. Let's see, watch him here like, uh, okay, Roddy just kicks Lopper off and she sells it pretty well, right? And then Wolf just doesn't help him out here a whole lot and ends up getting power slammed by Roddy Piper. And what, they have a police officer in the ring? What, what? <laughs> yeah. Wolf talking about how he kind of lost his mind, had to try and defend his woman. Ended up paying a big price. No, so he's saying I just was kind of blinded by rage. So I uh, talked about before um, going into this that uh, he had, he played a big role in the, getting that album, the wrestling album, uh, done. 
and uh, putting it all together and uh, bringing in some of these other record producers, uh, Rick Derringer and, and also Jimmy Hart. And Jimmy Hart talks about, uh, you know, just how it was like the perfect storm for him. Oh, the Lordship comes in. Wow, we didn't get to hear from him the rest of the show. His Lordship, you know, saying, you know, you stepped into a very dangerous uh, environment. You must have known that things bad could happen. Yeah. No, so I got mangled. Yeah, yeah, this is, but it was a ring. Capable of, yeah, yeah. Mm. I didn't think it would happen. I mean, my goodness. But uh, as I was saying about, you know, Jimmy talks about a kind of a perfect storm that he would get a phone call uh, from the WWF because he was a very popular manager and um, comes in for that chat. But uh, how he was getting phone calls from that 203 area code, but he thought it was, uh, you know, other wrestlers ribbing him because usually that's, you know, everybody would say 203 meant WWF. And he just didn't, he ignored them. And finally it was Hillbilly Jim who he knew uh, who called him and said, no, you know, that Vince is trying to get a hold of you. You know, he wants you. He wants to talk to you. And uh, Jimmy's like, really? And so that was kind of the connection because uh, Hillbilly talked to Vince and said, you know, call him. He knows that you want to talk to him. So that's how that connection went. And then, of course, when he got there, it was perfect timing because all this was going on with MTV. And what would what better uh, connection, what better person to have than somebody who had this history? in music and this experience and he got involved doing the album so it just you know jimmy talks a lot about during his career just how things happened that uh he really didn't have any chance to make it any different you know because it was just kind of laid out for him it just these opportunities would come his way and lou albano uh comes back out uh other good pallies producer nelson swegler director kerwin selfies Kevin Dunn is assistant director, Kevin Dunn. And uh, we all know, uh, boy, uh, the beginnings of uh, what he would end up doing and become one of the great creators of what the WWE has become over the years. And Vince didn't have rhythm then either. But (laughs) all right. That was awesome. I that was one of my favorites. That I, I thought I'd done some uh, great ones before, but wow, I really, really enjoyed that. That was fantastic. So I hope you enjoyed it as well. Um, you know these uh, the way that you know the the this is stuff that had never really been done before. I mean, Vince really had uh, a pioneer in uh, not just not just professional wrestling, but in entertainment. Uh, you know, to have this, you know, what way can we profile and show off our uh, our talent than by having them on a, a talk show, you know? And it's uh, it's just amazing that uh, 
they put this all together and they would uh, shoot these shows and it would highlight the talent. And, uh, you know, it, it was really fun to watch. They're fun to watch. As I said, I think people took it for what it was then. And, uh, they loved when their, their favorites would come on, but they'd have these little bits going on and, uh, you know, they would expand it to a bunch of other shows. And of course, uh, you know, primetime wrestling and they would have, uh, you know, with Bobby and Gorilla, we know what that would become, but, uh, they had all of these different platforms to deliver the shows and, and spread the word about uh, the WWF on, um, you know, several different stations. It wasn't just like this was on TNT, but, um, you know, this was uh, on USA, rather, uh, network. But there were, um, you know, all these other outlets. They had the syndicated programming, which was uh, where they had uh, Superstars and Challenge uh, across the country. And they would appear on many different stations because uh, it wasn't a network thing. These were, uh, you know, time that they had purchased originally and uh, would place these programs on Saturday mornings or and... Uh, so they'd get uh, a, a wide range of uh, of coverage because it might be an ABC affiliate, it might be an NBC affiliate, it might be CBS, it might be an independent, and they would uh, get this time. Now, eventually, as I, you know, I've talked about before, that they actually paid for the time. They would they were buying time to get these shows on there, and uh, they would uh, you know have commercial spots in there. Uh, that's how the stations would make money from it. But they were also, Vince had to pay them for that time. Now, that would all change as the popularity grew. But uh, at that time, you know, they were still uh, having to do that. And there were times when Vince would, uh, you know, this is before WrestleMania, and he just pretty much uh, you know, mortgaged everything to have that event. So he was still, you know, uh, still a lot at stake. There was, uh, imagine if he looks back then about, uh, you know, uh, I bet he had a lot of sleepless nights thinking like, what have I done, man? What was, uh, what happens if this doesn't work? But, uh, you know, that's all history. Uh, but really a fantastic uh, program and uh, what it would lead to, what was going on. As we talked about before that wrestling album, but I, <laughs> I can't help myself now. I'm just going on YouTube and going and playing all these songs. And if you got, Got some time today. Go and go and look at a few of them. Especially, you got to check out the one with uh, with Nikolai Volkov singing "Katamia." I mean, my goodness! But uh, you know, they uh, they knew how to do it back then. <laughs> they knew how to get attention, and they they certainly did. Uh, no question about it. So that was that was a lot of fun to see. And you know, we'll be doing a lot more of these. But uh, yeah, I don't know exactly what changed. Why they decided that uh, they would change this and, and they would give up uh, Tuesday Night Titans. But, uh, you know, it was probably tougher to, you know, get all these people in. And then, of course, they would make that move to Stanford with the big television facility uh, not too much farther down the road. But uh, it, was a, it was kind of a fun format. But as anything else, you know, Vince would kind of tire of doing them or, you know, it wasn't. And, of course, he had a thousand other things going on and he, like doing these shows, but then he just didn't uh, couldn't afford the time, and these were shot down in Baltimore. This is when they were doing all of the production uh, down there in Maryland. So uh, it would certainly change everything once they made that big move to Stanford, because uh, you know Vince uh, had the house in Greenwich, and it was a, a short commute. You know, you could be uh, probably twenty minutes or so from 
uh, to Stamford, where the facility was up on Hamilton Avenue. But uh, that would change everything. That would change everything. So uh, I hope you enjoyed this. Uh, We've got a lot happening this week. Uh, Be sure and tune in Wednesday. Uh, Not only do uh, we have a great episode as uh, Ted DiBiase returns to primetime with Sean Mooney as we get caught up on what's going on in his life. And uh, the reason I wanted to do it is that he is uh, launching a series of these uh, stage shows that he's doing. He's going to be doing them with uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Uh, I think they're calling it Wrestling Stories, where they basically they have these shows and, and um, you know, they just talk about uh, some of the experiences they had. And many of them are hilarious, you know, very funny, but also a lot of providing a lot of insight to, you know, what it was like for them back in the day and uh, we had a really great conversation, and it was fun because uh, we talked about uh, that time. And, of course, it was an exciting period of, of, uh, of Ted's life as he became the million-dollar man, and you know geez, how, how, just how popular he was. But um, he also said, you know, at the time you, when it's all going on and you're just worrying about making the next city and what you're doing, and you don't really get a chance to sit back and enjoy it, and how over the years he's really come to appreciate it, and the fact that uh, people love that era so much. They just loved it. And to this day, and there's also new fans because now they are watching a lot of the stuff on the WWE Network. And uh, and so uh, the fact that, that people still want to hear about it is uh, is really awesome for them because they really now get to appreciate what they accomplished and uh, this is an example by doing these stage shows. So they're going to be doing them in Los Angeles. And I think they start in Las Vegas, and they're going to go to Los Angeles. And uh, there's only a few, I think, scheduled right now, but I think that uh, they'll probably be doing more. But anyway, check out that episode. Uh, it's going to be dropped this Wednesday with Ted DiBiase. And I've got uh, – I can finally make the big announcement. You'll hear it on Wednesday. Um, uh, what's going on? We're, uh, we are expanding. <laughs> I think that's a good way to put it. Uh, doing a few more things in the world of professional wrestling. And uh, that, of course, is going to impact uh, the content that we're going to be able to deliver. Uh, don't worry. Uh, we will continue to have uh, original episodes every Wednesday of Primetime with Sean Mooney. But we've got a lot more coming your way. So be sure and tune in to uh, this Wednesday's episode, and you'll find out everything that's going on. I'd uh, love to hear from you. Uh, please email me. You can do that uh, by just going to... Uh, uh, primetime Mooney at gmail.com primetime Mooney at gmail.com follow us on Twitter and Instagram you can do that at primetime Mooney make it very easy don't we and we'd love to uh, have you join us on Patreon uh, Patreon uh, members have uh, continued to be so loyal and I really really appreciate uh, them sticking with us and uh, a lot coming up uh, for them as well uh, if you'd like to uh, join us, just go to patreon.com slash primetimemooney, patreon.com slash primetimemooney, and check that out. But uh, that's about it, because uh, I'll be able to tell you a lot more of what's going on um, in the coming weeks. But uh, tune in Wednesday, and you will hear uh, a big announcement, okay? So thanks for tuning in. Really enjoyed that episode of Tuesday Night Titans from February 15th, 1985. As I said, we'll we, uh, do more every week. We've got uh, a new one coming up. Then, of course, new episodes from Primetime with Sean Mooney on Wednesdays. And then, of course, a vault episode um, 
we do every Saturday morning. And uh, really like to see this one. The one we had uh, come up this week was uh, my conversation with Tony Schiavone, who's a uh, man just <laughs> doing all kinds of stuff. Boy, is he back. And uh, we had a great conversation, so you can uh, check that one out as well. Uh, you can find it on iTunes. And if you, uh, uh, you know, download your, your podcast from there, uh, please uh, give us uh, a review and a rating. We'd love the five-star rating and then also review and subscribe because we want to keep you uh, with us with all that uh, we're doing. All right? Okay, that's going to do it. Thanks for listening. I'm Sean Mooney, and I am out. Oh,